Balls. He's a libertarian in chief. This is the libertarian chief chat. Just a libertarian chit chat with the chief. Oh, hey, I'm Kevin. I'm here too. All right. Welcome to Chief Chats with Kevin Hobby and Todd Hagopian. I'm Kevin Hobby. And I'm Todd Hagopian. And we have one of my favorite podcasters in the house today, Fritz from Fritzcast, who I have had the pleasure of going on his podcast. He is now coming on our podcast. Fritz, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, thanks for having me on, man. And yeah, Todd, you're you're a twice guest, man. You're the first repeat guest on Fritzcast. So that's a, you hold that honor, man. The first guest and the first repeat guest. That's right. I think if I remember right, um, Fritz Cast started as uh, as more of a you talking uh, about issues. And then I ended up being the first actual guest you brought on. Is that how it played out? Yeah, yeah. I, I used to I went for uh, about like three years, I think three or four years of just sitting in a room talking by myself. And for some reason, people wanted to listen to it. I have no idea why, but well, we'll definitely get into kind of the history of Fritz Cast and how it uh, evolved as we go through the episode. But how about you go ahead and start by uh, taking us through your history of where you came from and how you ended up in the Liberty Circle? Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think uh, that's one of the great things I think that you guys do on the show, because everybody has a different and I think unique story about how they got to being in the Liberty Movement. And I think the more people hear how other people got there, it'll help their journeys as well. So um, I, I've always been like growing up, I was the nerdy kid that liked politics for whatever reason. I listened to uh, in middle school, I was listening to talk radio and I listened to what I call like the big three. I listened to uh, Glenn Beck in the early 2000s, uh, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity. There was a couple other ones like Mike Gallagher and a, and a couple other names that were in the mix there. But uh for whatever reason, I was drawn to it um, in my in my middle school years, and I think uh, I think a big key to that was 9/11 happening because I was only about 12 years old, and so having lived through an event like that, it kind of like put me in a shock of I want to know what's going on in the world around me, and I want to know why these things happen and and all of that. So I started off there and. My mom was uh, a George W. Bush fan. And uh, I remember in class, I remember for the 2000 election, prior to the election happening, like, you know, they always do that thing where they ask the kids, who do you like? And everybody kind of just, you know, they, they either go with what their parents go with or they go with who the popular guy was. And so all, all the kids in school were Al Gore, like every every last one of them, including all the teachers. And I was more like, okay, so why why don't they like this George Bush guy? I'm gonna like him. Just kind of being contrarian, I guess you could say. And so for starting off, I guess you could say I was Republican and in the George W. Bush camp. And by 2004, I was actually volunteering at my local uh, GOP headquarters. It was right across the street from my school. I was the weird kid who would break off after school, go right down to the Republican headquarters and ask him what I could do if it was, you know, uh, organizing the, the, the headquarters, cleaning it up, doing phone calls, whatever. And uh, I did that for a little bit and I had fun doing that. I did sign waves. I did lit drops uh, for the uh, Republican candidates uh, here in Delaware in the local area. And uh, 
that was fun because Delaware is like a highly liberal blue state. It, it's like solid, safe blue on literally every seat everywhere. So um, I, I had my first uh, my first bouts of contention with people as a, as a young high school kid doing these lit drops, uh, working for Republican candidates when they weren't liked by literally anyone around here, around my county or anything. So from there, um, going into the 2008 election, I, I flipped. I, uh, I, I had enough of the Republican stuff. I, I was on to the George W. Bush, the, the, the endless wars, the lies and all that. And I kind of was sold by Obama. You know, Obama came up. He talked about the hope and the change and all that. And, I, and that was going to be my first election to vote in was the 2008 election. And I couldn't get behind McCain and Palin. I just I couldn't stomach it. So I thought, OK, well, this is time to go with the hopey changey guy went in. That was my first vote ever in a presidential election. And I had hope. I really had high hopes that this was going to be the change that America needed. And shortly into that, I, I realized uh, that, OK, this isn't going anywhere. So I flipped back for the 2012 election. I went with Mitt Romney. I, I was solidly in the Mitt Romney camp. I was like, this is this is what we got to do. This is this is the guy that I should be backing. And uh, by the time I went into the voting booth and actually voted for Mitt Romney, th the minute I walked out, I was just dejected. I was like, I, I don't even really think I supported that guy. I, I just voted for him because who else was there to vote for? And I understand in the 2012 election, Gary Johnson was an option, but libertarian was a was a word that was just floated to me. Like I had heard it a little bit. I had seen a little bit of Gary Johnson because live streams on the Internet were just becoming a thing. I think I saw him on like Philip DeFranco, I want to say. They did a, like a live stream with Gary Johnson alongside of one of the presidential debates. So. I got, I guess you could say the seeds were planted then, but the minute I walked out, I said that I said, I voted for somebody that I didn't support. Democrats aren't, aren't doing it for me. They don't represent my ideals. Republicans on paper say they represent my ideals, but, but they don't in practice. Where, where can I go? So I went back to this Gary Johnson fellow and started diving into this libertarian thing. And I started peeling apart all the, you know, it, at that time, it was like it was buried. I didn't know anybody who was a libertarian. I didn't know anything about the quote unquote liberty movement outside of, you know, GOP Tea Party movement people. So I knew at that time, your Rand Paul's, Justin Amash's, those guys emerging out, Thomas Massey even. Uh, but I started diving into the research and really started peeling apart the libertarian uh, the ideologies. And then by 2016, I took a full nosedive. I was, I'm done with Democrats. I'm done with Republicans. This doesn't serve me. This is the camp that I'm in. And ever since then, I have been slowly expanding and growing in, in libertarianism and the liberty movement. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, a great, great story. And I think it's interesting because more and more we've had people on, you know, the, probably our first 10 guests were kind of the traditional, you know, I, I um, saw Ron Paul, I listened to Ron Paul, and I got into the movement. The last few, we've had quite a few people who Gary Johnson was the first entry into the movement, um, which I think is pretty interesting because he was not my cup of tea, and that's fine. Um, but to your point, he probably was the reason 
you know, that I heard about the party um, being a serious party for the first time. Um, whereas maybe Amash and Paul uh, were the introductions to the theory of libertarianism. Johnson was probably my introduction to the actual party. Um, and so it's interesting that you that you came about it that way. It's also interesting that you flipped, you know, Republican, Democrat, Republican, um, yep. and just kind of realized, you know, that you weren't passionate about anything. I was Republican for years, um, was not passionate about McCain, um, did support Romney in that I thought he was just a better choice than Obama. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and uh, but again, to your point, kind of walked out of the booth saying, I don't really know uh, that I like either of these folks. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of disillusioned with politics at the moment. Um, and so so your story kind of mirrors mine, which is is interesting to me. But I, I think there's a lot of people like that now, especially with these last two very, very contentious elections um, where they just, you know, you're voting against somebody more than you're voting for somebody. Everybody can't believe that these are the candidates that people are nominating after, you know, billion dollar fights on who gets elected. These are the people that we put up. What are your thoughts on, you know, the future of the two major parties as they continue to put up very divisive folks? And I guess you could argue Biden isn't, you know what I mean? But um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And I want to touch up real quick on the Ron Paul thing, too. It's not to say that Ron Paul doesn't deserve credit or doesn't hold, you know, that kind of appreciation and esteem in my mind. It's just that at that time going through the motions, I I didn't bite on on Ron Paul. I, I do remember Ron Paul being on Republican debate stages. And I furthermore, I remember when Gary Johnson was a Republican candidate on a debate stage as well. So. But, and actually, just to touch on that real quick, I think it's interesting because not a lot of people remember that. Um, and I actually didn't remember that. And someone reminded me that Johnson, I believe, in 12 was on the Republican debate stage, correct? Yeah, um, I think I think it was. He was up against um, Romney and a couple of the other uh, guys that they had up on, on the yeah. stage. And when Ron Paul was getting applause at one of those South Carolina debates for basically advocating um, drugs, which was hilarious that he got applause in South Carolina. You know what I mean? Um, Gary Johnson was essentially arguing the same thing. Gary Johnson, I believe, didn't get the momentum that Ron Paul was seeing. And so he dropped out and then became the Libertarian nominee. And that's how this whole thing started with Johnson. And I think people don't remember that. Um, but I think it's interesting, you know, that that it's okay for people to see these libertarian Republicans and get interested in the ideology and then come over this way. That's an okay way, you know, to start your path to libertarianism. No, oh, uh, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, as for as for the future, though, I think uh, I think the point that you touched up on is is really what is really the true moving forward point. I think people realize that Outside of like Donald Trump breaking through the Republican debates and and solidifying himself as the candidate in in 2016, uh, ultimately, it, it's like we don't really have a say as to who those candidates are. It's not us putting the candidates up, but it's how the candidates are getting boosted by I think the inner workings of their parties. Because for as popular as Bernie Sanders is among the left, it, he can't. He can't hold his steam through through a presidential election. He can't hold his steam through these debates and 
And it's because I think they get boxed out by the establishment. The establishment will let certain candidates go so far, but at the end of the line, there's a hard line where they cut off and they say, nope, it's not going to happen. That didn't happen with the Republican one because Donald Trump just had too much momentum and he had too much uh, steam and too much power to say, well, it doesn't matter if you don't pick me anyway, I'll go off and I'll go, I'll do a third party run and then you're really screwed. So they, the, the Republicans said, you know what, we're going to play ball. We're going to take a dive in and we're going to let this happen. And it took off and it, it quickly went out of their control. Uh, but that was the one time that I can really think of that happening. Um, everything else seems like these are the candidates that are allowed to get put up, not so much. These are the candidates that we as individuals are supporting um, on, on a certain level. I mean, at the end of the day, the election comes and then you vote for one or the other and you have to own you did. You supported it. You know, you, you bought into it um, fighting against it, however. It, you fight against it by not voting for one of the two candidates that they put up. I think that's I think that's the big key in, in unlocking people and making them think, OK, I'm going to think outside of these two parties uh, because it's a game uh, and, and it, it is a game. It's a big game. And you can either be you can either fall in line with it and, and go with what they're offering you or you can go outside of it and choose something that you actually really want to choose. Yeah, I think it's um, it's an interesting time, and I know everyone always says this next election will be different. But I've now voted in a in a series of elections over the last twenty some odd years, and um, I'm older than you two. Uh, and what I think is different this time is that there are legitimate rumblings about the parties either breaking up or having significant differences inside the party. Uh, so, for example you know, AOC has come out and said, you know, that the leadership isn't nearly progressive enough and we're not doing anything to, you know, raise up progressive leaders inside the Democratic Party and something needs to be done. And she's challenging, you know, incumbent Democrats and with liberal, you know, newbies and uh, progressive newbies. And then on the Republican side, you've got Donald Trump talking about the Patriot Party and literally starting his own party and ripping MAGA out of the Republicans, which would basically, you know, cut that party in half potentially or worse, depending on how it all plays out. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, is this going to be, you know, quote unquote, the election that um, that things start to change or is four years long enough where we'll just be back in the same spot we were before? Yeah, I think right now is a really interesting time. And I, I had to laugh at the uh, at the Trump Patriot Party thing because, oh, now now all of a sudden third parties are cool, you know, because <laughs> the GOP is not supporting our guys. So screw them. But uh, it's really it, it, it's it's going to be interesting to watch. I'm I'm really like I'm a libertarian, so I don't have any uh, I don't have any real investment in, in either of the parties staying the way they are. I mean. This is the I, I think we're at a breaking point. And I think the media kind of I think the media lies to everybody because you would have this feeling that the Democrats are so united and, and they're they're on this front and they're on it together. But really, they're not. They have their AOCs, their Elon Omars, the squad breaking, you know, putting these these cracks in the foundation of they don't want to they don't want to play ball will they play ball sure they they kind of all back nancy pelosi uh, again 
as as a speaker. But um, ultimately, they're there. They're not happy with uh, the direction that their party's going, and they have a lot of influence. AOC, whether you whether you like her or not, she has a big following. I always called her the the Trump of the left, kind of, because she can say ridiculous things or whatever, but she has millions of followers that just love and every single word that she would put out or tweet or, or anything. Um, the, the cracks in the foundation are there for the Democratic Party as much as the GOP has gone through and, and kind of is a, a nervous wreck right now with everything that they've had to go through. So I, I definitely agree with the idea that uh, that they're not on solid foundations anymore. The, 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 it's like the cracks are there, and it, it's going to be interesting to see who pushes forward more or who puts their self out more for it because the establishment setups just – don't it doesn't really seem like it's going to work that much anymore this time it, for joe biden getting elected it literally was there was more people voting to get donald trump out than actually enthusiastically voting for joe biden i i found very very few even in my inner circle of friends with different political opinions and all that very few who are actually enthusiastic and happy to vote for joe biden they were just doing it because orange man bad get him out you know that that kind of thing and whether or not Trump starts a third party or if it's just talk, you know, if he does it, I say great, you know, because I think the more that there is differences in parties and and different uh, injections into the politics, I think that's better. You know, even though I had a lot of criticism against Donald Trump uh, over the past four years and especially over the last couple of months, you know, I there's a lot that I don't agree with him on. Um, there's a lot that I more or less hate him for but uh if it's going to change the political outlook of, of america it's gonna happen and it needs to happen yeah no i agree and i'm i'm gonna say something right now that may scare people that haven't thought about this aoc will be old enough to run for president in 2024 oh god just barely <laughs> and she has come out on multiple interviews and people haven't put two and two together yet. And I've been watching this, trying to figure out if this is her plan. She's come out in multiple interviews saying she's sick of Congress and she's not sure she wants to serve anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not yeah. sure I want to do this anymore. And Pelosi's not the person to lead the Democratic Party and blah, blah, blah. And, and this just feels to me, and she's got the fundraising chops that she could potentially do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just feels to me like she either is setting up a possible progressive run um, to change the conversation, or she's setting up a power play, you know, where it's, I'll do this unless, you know what I mean, kind of situation, which is probably more likely um, to move the Democrats to the left. But but it's, it's a little scary. October 2024, she'll be 35. And I believe for the constitution that allows her to run. Um, and, and if we keep putting up 75-year-olds, you know, that, that are moderate Democrats, I would imagine that you'll think about that. But anyway, so I think 2024 is going to be fascinating. You know, QAnon came out the other day, all these guys that got arrested at the Capitol. Um, and literally the QAnon shaman, you know, the guy with the horns, he told the FBI that he believes that 
we are headed towards a single party um, system in the US and that's gonna be the Patriot Party. So, I mean, there are people out there that are already behind this Patriot Party thing. And then there's, you know, 70 million other people that think that the election was stolen from Donald Trump and want to give him another chance. It's just, a, it's going to be a crazy election. I think it's starting a little too early. So we'll yeah. see what Trump, Trump decides to do with it and if the momentum can stay there. But um, but I think if they, uh, I think it's going to be, really interesting how this all plays out. The next four years are going to be very different than any four years we've had in the past, I think. Yeah, no, no, I would agree with that. And and what's even scarier, I would say, about the AOC thing is just the fact that uh, it's kind of like I was talking to you guys off air, like, like everything's conflated now. And AOC has come out, I think, multiple times over the past week talking about how she's just she's scared to death of Republicans. You know, she, she talked about how she's scared to death of her colleagues and her colleagues are trying to sneak guns onto the floor of the house and stuff. That's, that's what really scares me about that is because not only is she saying that and putting it out there, but people are genuinely like, yeah, I agree with her. And that's, that's scary territory. Yeah. I mean, she was the one that came out, you know, uh, after the riot and said, I was scared that my Republican hand, colleagues would hand me over to the terrorists you know what i mean like <laughs> like that yeah. the terrorists would come to the door and they would just push aoc out you know and then yeah yeah them. it's like i mean that's that you know the fear stoking is definitely on both sides of the aisle obviously you know trump is ridiculous and i don't want to get too deep into it because people know how i feel about trump and and inciting the riots and whatnot but um, but I mean, there's definitely fear stoking on both sides of the of the aisle, and AOC yeah. has been the number one, you know, post uh, post riot to do it. I think. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, well, talk to us a little bit about the podcast. Walk us through the history of the podcast and what you're doing now, and where you're going from there. Yeah, so um, the podcast uh, th- that harkens back to my uh, younger days of uh, of middle and high school. I was always into broadcast media. It's actually what I wanted to do. Uh, I was pretty sure it's what I wanted to do as a career. And so, um, I didn't, I didn't pursue it. Um, if anybody knows anything about, uh, radio broadcast and even, even news media broadcasting and all that, it's, it's a very hard business to break into if you're trying to get into it. Um, because literally most of those jobs are started through internships through school and unpaid and you got to, you know, work through, work through the chains, not making any money doing it. And uh, I was in a position where that just wasn't an option. I needed to, I needed to make money <laughs> because you need money to live. So, uh, so that, that all got put on the back burner. Uh, but uh, when I was dating my wife, I was talking about, uh, she would always ask me, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And I'm like, why are you, why do I have to answer all these hard questions about this thing right now? <laughs> and uh, so, but I always talked about broadcast media. And at that time I was getting into podcast. I listened to uh, a lot of different uh, podcasts. A lot of the radio shows would, would get transferred over to podcasts anyway. Uh, so I was heavy on listening to podcasts. And um, during my high school years, I actually used to work on a website called World Wrestling Insanity, where I had an audio show and I did recaps of uh, professional wrestling. Uh, on a weekly basis. So I kind of was having my fill of, of like broadcasting there. So my wife 
heard these stories and all that. And then um, in 2015 for Christmas, she bought me uh, a microphone. Uh, she bought me like my starter equipment for a podcast. She said, I've got all the stuff that you want for a podcast. Go, go figure out how to do it and start it. So uh, at that time in 2015, it's not, it wasn't as, I guess, uh, uh, it still wasn't as big a business as it is now. Um, I had to dive in and do a, a lot of research on, hosting websites and how to get it online and then all that stuff. So I, I did my legwork there, figured it out and uh, started up my SoundCloud account. And uh, it was the week after Christmas, I plug in my mic, I open up my little, uh, my little application for recording and I sat in my room, my office uh, quiet for a couple minutes, uh, looking at my microphone. And I was like, am I really going to do this? <laughs> like, so I, I, I just started recording. I didn't really even have any, any plans laid out. I was just, you know, Hey, I'm starting a podcast. I'm going to do it. We're going to talk about politics and all that jazz. And, uh, the, your first episode, I don't know, you guys can probably attest this as well. When you go do your first episode, especially if you don't have guests or anything, I wasn't doing interviews. I was just doing monologues. You, you're sitting in a room by yourself and you turn on, you hit record and it's, it's weird. You're talking to yourself in a room. <laughs> It, it really is weird. Um, so I started doing that. I put them out and then I, I got feedback. You know, it starts off with your friends and your buddies. You know, hey, I, I heard your podcast. It's cool. And uh, I just kept going. It was uh, we were going in the 2016 election cycle. Um, I'm an outsider. I'm not supporting, you know, the Republicans or the Democrats. I'm a libertarian guy. So. I'm talking a lot of libertarian politics. My friends are asking about it, uh, trying to get, trying to figure out more about um, libertarianism because as it was being solidified that Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were the candidates, I had a lot of my buddies saying, no, "Hell no, I'm not voting for this." And uh, so I turned a lot of people on to to Gary Johnson. Then uh, a lot of a lot of close personal friends and uh, and people on my local level, I got into that and. Uh, from there, after we went through, I went through about four years of just doing monologues, uh, just me talking. Of course, I was doing goofy, I was doing goofy voices and uh, I was doing Bernie Sanders, uh, covered all the program, call it in, talking about uh, the campaign trail, Donald Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton. And uh, so not only was I talking to myself, but I was doing voices and talking to myself and voices and having conversations. I don't know how I wasn't committed into an insane asylum or anything, but <laughs> Uh, from there though, Bernie Sanders was a huge uptick. Like a lot of people started listening for the Bernie, for the, for the recurring Bernie Sanders segments and jokes and stuff. And then, um, then I contacted you, Todd. I said, you know, Hey, I'm thinking about doing guests. I would love to have you as a first guest. And you were probably the best first choice that I could do because you're so laid back and cool. And we went through that first interview and it was awesome. That was another big boost for the podcast. And then from there, uh, I was able to hook up uh, a lot of different people into the program. Brian Nichols, whom you guys are familiar with. I know you just put up your episode with Brian yesterday, I think, didn't you? Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. Brian's a, a great buddy that I've been able to make through this podcasting thing. And I've been on his show. He's been on my show. Uh, I got to, I got to rope up a lot of different people, including Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen, which, I mean, those were shots in the dark for me. I was like, they're never going to come on my show. And then I got replies from their press people, like almost immediately to, to book them on the show. And I said, all right, uh, we're, we're really going to do this then. <laughs> um, but right before I got them on, I decided that, uh, 
you know, I was like, I've been doing the audio for so long. Like, is there another dynamic I can inject into the program? And so I started doing video recording. I cleaned my office up. I put a nice backdrop in and I started doing the video recording and uh, posting them up on YouTube, which has been another, it's been like another wave or another boost of, of, uh, of audience for me. And uh, especially for my like interviews, like my, my Joe Jorgensen episodes, like the hottest episode I ever put out. Um, people were coming in droves to watch that, to figure out who she was. Uh, same with Spike Cohen. I think Spike's like a great communicator and he was another great boost. And then I've just been on a roll. I started uh, when I said in 2019 or in 2020, when I set out a goal to have guests on the show, I, I had a goal to do one guest per month. And uh, by the end of uh, last year, so just a, just a month ago, um, I had gone about, I think I did about 16 guests, actually. So I actually went over. And so now for, for 2020, it's much the same. I'm keeping a lot of guests on. I started off with John Ziegler, which was a hot episode to start on. Uh, and I've done Brad Palumbo, and I've got a host of other people scheduled. I'm trying to do two a month now. I figure two a month. If I if my goal was one a month last last year and I went above that two a month, I'm probably going to go above that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fantastic. Yeah, and what we found on this podcast is that it's amazing how many people will say yes. You know what I mean? If you just ask them, uh, the people in the liberty movement, you know, don't get asked that often, um, and they all have a lot to say, and they're more than willing to help out people. You know, in the liberty movement, get the word out. Um, and so, so we've been, we've been pleasantly surprised with how many people have said yes, when you ask them, even if it's just, even if you know that they're probably too big for your little podcast as we are right now, like we're tiny, um, and they come on just to help you out and help you get some more notoriety. So, yeah, I think what you're doing is great. I think it's, um, it's going to keep working. Um, and I, and I'm, I've been, it's been fun to watch your podcast grow. I, I enjoy the time content and you're awesome awesome host so what's what's the plan going forward so a couple people a month any special focus or what are you looking to do over the next four years um yeah yeah um definitely more guests um just because i i think that adds a whole another dynamic people do love coming on and, and seeing me do the solo episodes yes and i love doing them because i can do goofy bernie sanders segments and all that jazz and uh, if anybody was wondering if Bernie Sanders is going anywhere, isn't he? He's Biden's what? Um, he I forget what he's appointed to. He he controls the purse strings though, doesn't he? Did he get Did he get appointed to something? I actually didn't see that. I don't know. I, I think he's I think he's on tap to be like a, a big key player in the in the Biden administration, but um, he's not going anywhere on 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 in terms of my program because. It's so easy to just you know pull out and talk about nonsensical bullshit, um, <laughs> but um, there, there'll be more of that. Uh, as far as I, I've been toying with the idea of live streaming, but I'm hesitant on that because I feel like if if I go live streaming, I have to have set days and times to do it, and sometimes yeah. my life is a my life's a little hectic. I have a full time job and I work midnight shift, and uh, I have a one year old that is uh, a handful. So um, I'm toying with the idea, but it's probably not going to happen just yet. Uh, but uh, as far as my focus, though, uh, I hope to continue what I've been doing. Uh, through through the first 
four years of my podcast, which is, you know, if Donald Trump did something that I liked, I would dive into it, why I liked it, why it was good. And if he did something I didn't like, I would dive into it and why I didn't like it and why it wasn't good. And I, I plan to, as with any presidential transition, I do the same thing I do every time. So Joe Biden is now president. I give you a clean slate to judge you on. You know, you, you are the president. I don't want you to fumble the ball. I don't want you to put America in a bad spot. I'm not quote unquote rooting for your failure. Uh, but you can bet that I will go through everything that you do with a fine tooth comb. And if there's something to not like about it, I will call you out on it. Um, much like uh, I think Biden's appointment of uh, what is it, General Austin which uh, I think Spike Cohen jumped on really early. He actually, yeah. I think, put out a thread on him back in uh, December about why that would be a bad idea. And here we are. I think he was approved 93 to two or something. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and everything. The news obviously is big on, hey, he's the first African-American secretary of defense, but it ignores all the bad aspects of it. So we can already see how the media is picking and choosing how it is, is going to cover the Biden administration. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, what do you got on that? Um, I, I don't think that uh, Bernie got the, the nomination. I know that they were talking about um, him being nominated for secretary of labor, but um, if I remember correctly, didn't they, they said that they didn't want to because they didn't, they didn't want to do that special election. Oh, that's they thought right. that that's they thought that they, they would lose power. Yeah, they didn't want to pick a senator. That's right. Yeah. Um, man, I love your single, your solo episodes, Fritz. I think that it's really cool. One thing that we've got that kind of, you were talking about talking by yourself with us, when we do episodes without a guest, it's us talking. So it's basically just a regular Tuesday or whatever. So I really admire you doing the, the solo ones and all of that. Um, where do you see, um, do you have any guests that you're excited about coming up? Do you have any that you're pursuing? Um, yeah, well, yeah. And I, I'm excited to have, uh, anytime somebody agrees to come on my show, I'm excited because I'm like, well, I'm, uh, to me, maybe I'm just humble or I just think down on myself or whatever. I'm like, they really want to come on my show really. But, uh, uh, I, I I'm, I'm excited for anybody that wants to come on, but like I, in February, I'm going to be interviewing Larry Sharp. Uh, I have Shane Hazel on, on schedule. Brian Nichols is coming back. Um, next week, I'm actually I'm actually excited for my uh, one next week because it's just it's my good buddy Tim McMaster in Pennsylvania, and uh, he and I are just really good friends. But he's running as a Libertarian for uh, Pennsylvania State Senate in a special election. Uh, so I'm looking, I'm heavily looking at that just because uh, he's very excited about the potential that he has to make an impact there. And when I have him on, I know he's gonna, he's gonna be a good guy to talk to. He's, he's a wealth of knowledge. He's a small town farmer among a, about a dozen other things that he does. Um, so I'm really excited to have him on. Uh, but Everybody else that I, everybody else, I have a lot of pendings. I have a lot of people that I've reached out to that I hope to get, um, you know, and kind of like Todd said, like, I think the best approach, if you're a podcaster, if, if you're somebody that's looking to break in or you're just starting your podcast and you're wondering how can I get guests on just always, always ask because the worst answer you're going to get is no. Um, 
otherwise, like if I had never asked, if I had just thought Joe Jorgensen isn't going to come on my show and never asked, obviously I never have Joe Jorgensen on my show. Uh, but I put it out there and I asked and I got her, I got her before she was doing, you know, major news networks, which to me was really, really cool. Um, so always float the idea out there. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm putting out feelers to try to get, I'd love to talk to like somebody like Tulsi Gabbard, you know, even though she's not a libertarian, I'm not saying that she's a libertarian. I'm not saying put her on the libertarian ticket, calm down libertarians, but, uh, people like her, people like Justin Amash, uh, still, um, I'm trying to reach out to some of my other inspirations in the podcasting world just to, you know, just because it's fun to have them on and have a conversation about uh, the current events, the politics, how they got into where they're at and all that. You know, it's it's just fun. Awesome. And and so many people get into podcasts and get, you know, down or, or don't keep it up. And I don't need you to go into specific numbers, but talk a little bit about just like what that first year looked like from a numbers standpoint and then all the way up to when you nailed, you know, Joe Jorgensen interview um, or moved to move to your uh, YouTube, you know, or, or the video, like give people some perspective on what numbers should look like and, and how not to get, you know, down on yourself as that grows. Cause I think that's important. We've got friends that have started podcasts and just, you know, it's tough at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning, you're going to really feel like, you know, what am I doing this for? Or am I, even, if, am I even making an impact or anything? And that's how I felt in the first year. The first year I thought I'm just being, I'm just being a ridiculous guy. I'm, I'm going into, I'm going in my office and recording every week about news and politics and stuff. And I'm just being half the time. I'm just being a goofball about it. I'm doing goofy voices and, and just ranting and stuff, but um you'll you'll see the numbers and you it's very easy to get discouraged but i think a key to this biz to this business because it is a business is uh is persistence if you're not persistent if you don't have this self drive to want to improve and do better and continually expand and grow you're not going to get it and a lot of that's going to come from just your determination of it um you know when i started it off i didn't i didn't envision originally that um, that I'd be doing YouTube shows and, uh, and interviewing, you know, presidential candidates, even if, even if they are just, even if somebody out there is going to be like, Oh, it's just third party candidates you're interviewing. It's a big deal to me. It's a big deal to a lot of people who want to hear from third party candidates. Um, you know, th with the people that I've been able to interview, uh, when I started off, I never imagined, I never envisioned that I'd be calling people onto my show like that. And then vice versa. Uh, I mean, now, I'm at a point where I get invited onto people's shows like, like your guys show or Brian Nichols show. Like, like there's a lot of internal, you know, I think networking with people is a big key because you can get your friends and buddies and then you can cross promote your own shows and your own podcasts. And then, you know, before you know it, you might be being asked by one of these podcasting networks, like, like the, we are libertarians network, you know, saying, Hey, can you be a panelist on, on this? We're going to have a, a round table discussion or whatever. That's the that's the growth that you want to see. If you're consistent and you keep your networking up and you keep connecting with people, you can grow your show and, and it doesn't cost you a dime in advertising or, or anything like that. Um, it really just it's really just connecting with the right people, having the right friends, and then you can you can watch your thing build up into something substantial. Yeah, no, that's awesome. 
Well, Kevin, before we let uh, Fritz tell us where we can find them, you got anything? No, nothing from me. I've just been listening. I really enjoy the podcast, Fritz. And thank you for coming on. I uh, I think it's a great story that you got. Absolutely. Right. And Fritz, I appreciate that, road, Kevin. Uh, and down the Wait, road, real quick. Real quick, Todd, before before you, I have to throw in a commie joke, just like a good commie. You sat there and you did nothing. You contributed nothing. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, you guys were talking about AOC and I, like I was I was just sitting here just fuming and I was just like, I, I, they're going to make me go. They're going to make me go full commie. I'm about to have to bust in here and tell them how it is. Like <laughs> that, was, that was my entire point. Chris was to try and get under goodness. Kevin's skin and, and get him to jump in and defend her, but but he didn't take the bait. So. I didn't take the bait. I'm getting it's too late now. Too late now. <laughs> too late now. Yep. <laughs> but uh, Fritz, down the road here, whenever you're ready, we would love to um, come on and talk about uh, our taxation, our overtaxationistuff.com initiative, which is basically us trying to um, have libertarians across the country campaign against the state income tax in their respective states in state and local elections in 2022, when we don't have federal, you know, the big federal election to worry about. Um, we're really trying to push this initiative and we'd love to get that in front of your audience down the road when you're ready. Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll be in yeah. contact with you guys shortly about that cool. for sure. Cool. Well, tell everybody where you can, uh, where they can find you. Uh, you can find my main hub is Twitter. So that's at Fritz QS, the letter Q and the letter S. Um, Facebook.com slash the Fritz cast for the podcast page on Facebook until it gets wiped whenever that'll happen. Cause you know, it's down the road. Some somewhere I'll piss somebody off and it'll, it'll go, it'll, it'll get nuked. Um, and then uh, my, my website right now, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to buy the domain fritzcast.com, but uh, I'm not at that level yet. So it, right now it's webnode. It's fritzcast.webnode, W-E-B-N-O-D-E.com for uh, all my other resources that are out there. It'll give you links to the YouTube show and all that. And you can find the other links to the YouTube show and the podcast itself on my Twitter and on, and on the Facebook page as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was great. We look forward to talking to you again, and we will definitely have you back on, you know, as you grow and as the elections start to heat up to talk about what you've, what you've been up to, who you've been talking to and what you've been learning. Absolutely. I would love to. All right. Thank you, sir. Yep.